0: Thanks everyone for singing. We usually like to thank our worship team and and our our some of you were serving at the nine o'clock service and you're here in this service. So this morning we're not clapping for any of them. Uh we're we're not here to uh celebrate just ourselves, and I know we want to be grateful, but we want to just remind you that all of us are doing this because we love Jesus. And because we're learning that to worship him is to give of ourselves to him in a way that would be sacrificial. And so maybe that's a new idea but I never get tired of thinking about or talking about or helping people understand the meaning of Easter. And so maybe for you, this is brand new. Maybe you're online and you're not sure. You know, I was thinking even this morning at the 9 o'clock service, you know, and, and now like a bit tired, but I can't wait till we have an 8 o'clock service. Huh? Anyone else? Yeah, some of you are ready to serve in that service. I, I used to be at a church where I would preach four, time every, four times every Sunday. And, uh, and you know what? Jesus can do what he needs to do. If that's his will for us, but we're at that place where we're always thinking of how Jesus is going to move and what he's going to do next and what he's going to call us to. And our questions are questions that people in the Bible had on that first Easter they're like, What's happening? and what does this mean? and there's all these people that are living with all of these doubts. And you know, maybe you're here, or you know, someone who you even may be invited to come, and they're like, I'm not into like religion or church. Like, I'm not not into this, you know, and they they didn't come, and I invited some people, and they're like, "Ah, I'm too busy, but there's something about this story that, that draws us to this place where we want other people to know that God can do something that only He can do, that only He can provide, only He can heal us, and actually, there were people on that first Easter that they wrestled with this, they struggled with this. You might be surprised, you're not the smartest person or the first person that had questions about Easter. There's people actually who follow Jesus. And I want to just as we begin this morning to help you think about three kind of steps that people are wrestling with so that you maybe would see where you fit in in those steps. The first step is there were always people who, when they saw Jesus, they kind of believed that he was special, that he was a bit different, that he was a different kind of rabbi, and they believed him. And maybe you're at that place where, you know, you believe some things about God. You would even say if somebody asked you, do you believe in God? You would say, yeah, I believe in God. There's people who just stay at that point in their life. They never move to the next place, which is the place of following Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just let people believe in him. I think we do that. We're like, oh, we don't want to bother you much. But Jesus said, if you believe in me now, you should follow me. And some of you maybe have taken that step. And you're even at that place where you're like, I'm learning to follow. I don't just believe, but I'm following because I want the things that Jesus talked about. I want them to be like in my life. Like I want to live like that. I want the power and the peace. And I want that. But some people stop there because they never learn about Easter properly. Because Easter is the moment where Jesus calls people to not just believe in Him, to not just follow Him, but to now worship Him as Lord. That's a whole nother step. For people who had lived their whole life worshiping the God of Israel, the God of the Old Testament, be careful of idols, be careful of false teachers, to now understand that if Jesus was dead and now He's alive, they can't just believe in Him. They can't even just follow him along. They must commit to worshiping worshiping him with all of their lives. That's a hard thing to do. I've struggled with that in my life. I think of of my life in a lot of those steps. And for many of, of you, maybe you feel that. Like if you just believe in God, sooner or later, somebody will ask you a hard question about the Bible, about evolution, about science. And you're like, I used to believe, but I went to school and my teacher confused me, I don't believe anymore. But maybe you made it to the following steps, and you followed a little bit because you're like, don't go to any schools or read any books, some of those people maybe, you know, some of you got it, and, and, and you know, you're following Jesus, but you know what you find out as you follow Jesus? You meet other people that are following Jesus that you don't like, they're annoying, some of you are in this room, I know some of you on this side of the church that hate people on this side of the church, that's why we have a big church, by the way, to keep you apart, some people, that's why they just stay online, by the way, kidding, uh, you follow along and you're like, yeah, I was. Fo- I used to follow. I used to go to church, but then I met that person. I hate them. They're snobs. They. I don't like them. And following then gets kind of boring. You don't follow it much longer. And you never get to the place where you realize that Jesus is actually calling us to really reflect on what it means to worship Him. And worshiping Him has to do with believing, following, and fully surrendering everything that we are to His ways if you read about Jesus in the Bible, if you learn about Easter, you realize that there's people on that first Easter before you and I even think about it that are already wrestling with this. Like they're wrestling with where they fit. Am I just a believer? Am I follow? Am I, I going to worship? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I am. And one of those people that we meet right away early in the story, his name is Joe. I mean, he has a bigger name in the Bible, but we'll call him Joe. His name is Joseph of Arimathea. Maybe you never heard of him. He doesn't get much press. He's important. He's actually very important in the story. As we're told about him, that later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. Man, wow. I mean, I think of times in my life where I wish I knew about Joe earlier. I wish I knew that Jesus made room for people who were disciples, but didn't know how to get to the place where they really worshipped him. They were like almost following. They even believed in Jesus. Like Joseph of Arimathea is a disciple of Jesus, but shh, don't tell, them, don't tell too many people. Don't tell them you went to church for Easter. Shh. They think you're weird. First Easter. He's right there. I think some of us maybe feel that today. You're like, you know what? Like I'm just always on the fence. I'm really committed. Then I'm not sure. Then somebody says something. I'm backing up. And if you don't know anything about this guy, Joe, he's really important. He's a leader in one of the most connected groups in the Bible. Super connected networks. It's a group called the Sanhedrin. You probably never heard that word. It's like Jireh. You know, it's like what is that? It's like the highest group of Jewish leaders and teachers that decide what happens in the temple. And some of them were probably in charge as they got Jesus crucified on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea is connected with those kinds of people. He's also very wealthy. It's rare we meet people in the Bible who are really rich and they're following Jesus. And on that first Easter, he gets to this moment, and I think it's a special moment that moves you from just believing or just following and understanding this is more to the story. He says, I'm tired of this being a secret. Forget the Jews. I'm going all the way to the top to the Romans. Where's Pilate? I want the body of Jesus. I want people to know. You could tell anybody. Yes, I followed him. Yes, I knew his teachings. Maybe Joseph of Arimathea got to this place, like, we're not sure, but maybe he got to this place where he's shocked that the people that he knew could stoop so low that they would kill Jesus. Like, he probably heard people talking about Jesus. Like, the religious leader, some of his friends, that they would conspire and lie and have Jesus crucified. Maybe for, for Joseph of Arimathea, the pain and the anger of everything that has to do with Good Friday just hit, hit the, the final mark. And he's like, I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm, I want people to know. And I want the body of Jesus. And he does something beautiful in the story. He gets his friend Nicodemus, who's also a religious leader. You know the story. They both take Jesus' body and they prepare it. And they bring it in a tomb, in a kind of the cave, in a place that was prepared. Which again shows to you that he was so wealthy that he already had land and a place to be able to bury somebody that he cared about. Just think about today how much it would cost for you to prepare to think about that. That already, Joseph of Arimathea, it's like I'm tired of pretending, I'm tired of just being like believing, or I'm not sure like this is it. This Jesus, like he changed everything. They killed him? Maybe you're realizing that this Easter, you're feeling inside that God is saying to you, it's time to just stop just pretending. Maybe God's bringing you to a place where your pain or your suffering or your anger is meant to move you to a place where you finally tell other people Jesus means more to you than they even know. You want them to know. But at the same time, we're reminded that for some people, they're still not sure, they're struggling. And I wish I had room in my life when I was really, really young to work that out. Like, I early on remember going to church and every kind of sermon was like, you're in or out. You're either with the Lord or you're against him. You know, I was like, every week was like, I'm getting the sweats. It was intense. And there's verses like, you know, if you don't defend the Lord now, who's going to defend you when you die? And I'm like, oh, no. You just, just, okay, okay. I wish somebody would have told me about Joseph of Arimathea. That he followed as a disciple, but secretly he wasn't, not there yet. Some of you are almost there. Some of you are ready now. Jesus is saying it's time now. If you read the story of Easter in the Bible, especially in John's gospel, we meet these people that look like us, they have questions like us, and they wrestle with what it means to not just believe in God, not even to just follow some of the good teachings, but now to realize something else is happening that no one expected. And in the story, when you read it, the first people that kind of realize that something is about to change is the women. These are women who've been following Jesus, and they go to the tomb, and, and when they get there, Jesus' body's not there, and they're shocked, and angels are talking to them, and, and, and the, the, they're realizing, like, Jesus is, is gone. Did somebody steal them? They're crying. I mean, I could just imagine the chaos. And then they realize that Jesus is not here. Because he's alive. And they, they realize if this is true, they're going to run and go tell the disciples. They're, they're going to just go and, and tell them, like, things are Like, what Jesus told us, I think, is really happening. Like, this is a big deal. And, and if you read John's gospel, he does something that you often see in movies. How many of you are movie buffs? You love movies or you watch movies with people and you can't stop talking? Oh, this movie's from season one or this was episode three, had that. Per-? They drive you crazy and you, you unfriend those people very fast. But movie buffs know this, that in the 1960s, movie directors started to do something in movies that they would show a little clip of a movie at the end of the credits of the movie so that people would stick around in the movie theater. You ever watch that movie with some people and you're like, okay, I'm usually the first one out. I'm like, let's get out of here. Too many people, popcorn everywhere. I'm out of here. And some people are like, they're just sitting there still with the glasses. I'm like, I look and I'm like, okay, this is a big deal. Okay, maybe there's something I'm missing in this movie. It's like a scene to tell you that the movie you thought was done is not done yet. And it's not done yet, and there's another part to the movie that you didn't even know about is coming. My favorite movie for this is the Buzz Lightyear movie. Any of you watch Lightyear? None of you, huh? some clap. You don't clap for Jesus, but you're amen, amen. Get out of here. I'm kidding. We love you. Okay. You say Pixar, and people are like, I worship them, all right. This is a great movie. I watch it, my kids. And at the end of this movie, is this famous scene. Anyone know the villain in this movie? It starts with a Z. Zerg. It's, it's so wild, the movie. They're like, they're going to kill him. He's part of the family. They love each other. Oh, it's amazing. It's crazy. And then at the end, Zerg dies. He's killed. And it goes through the credits. And you're all happy, and you're hugging your kids, and it's a good, good message. Teamwork. And then you stick around. And the eyes of Zerg, when the movie ends, are dark because he's dead. But if you stay just a while longer, they light up. And every kid in the room is like, oh, my goodness. Their season, there's another movie. And all the parents are thinking of the money. They're going to they're gonna kill us. <laughs> this movie, I'm going to have to buy the doll. I'm going to have to wear the suit for Halloween. It's a disaster. Movie Moviegoers, they know this. John's gospel talks about Easter like this. Just when you're done, just when you think it's to wrap it up, the story of Jesus—he's dead, crucified. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are putting him in while they cry. The Bible should say the end. Christianity, the story of Jesus, the Rabbi should have ended in three hours, should have been over. But something happens. Something starts to happen that this something strange. That somehow people are still talking about Jesus like he's alive. This is great. It can't be. And I think about all the documentaries and all the things you watch at this time of year. Maybe you know this. Like You're gripped by, what did Jesus look like? Where did he live? And I see these all the time right around this time of year. You think about all the questions people have. i want to tell you something really, really honest. If I ever make a documentary about Easter, it's going to be about a question that nobody's asking. And I'm going to tell you what that is. I'll tell you what it is. And if anybody makes this documentary before me, you tell them. This was Dom's idea. Because I want to know on that first Easter why Jesus, if he's really alive, doesn't go see all the people who killed him first. Did you ever wonder about this? Like, why doesn't he go to Pilate's house at night? Why did not he go see the guy who spit on him? If you were here for Good Friday, why didn't he go see the guy who slaps him in the face? There's something about being human and wanting revenge and wanting to get people to tell them, I told you so, that Jesus never does that. Maybe his teachings were true. Maybe what he said about forgiveness and restoration and love were true. He doesn't do what all of us would do. That's what I would do. Somebody cuts me off on the highway, I'm following them all the way home. I'm driving to Repentigny if that's where they live. Just to tell them, hey, madame. That's for the French translation. You see how I did that? I gave them a break. I gave them a break. Madame Repentigny. They're already getting a, whoo. It, it's just me that has this kind of rage. It's like you'll follow them till, they, till they're a gas tank just to say, you cut me off and you're going to pay. And Jesus is alive and he doesn't do any of that what? Where does he go? He goes to see his earliest followers. He wants them to understand that he wasn't fooling around. It's not about revenge. It's not about winning a battle. It's not about winning debates. It's not even about believing. It's about something else. So what we're told, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the door locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, like Joseph, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, everyone say again. Again, Jesus said, "Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you." This is one of the most profound moments in the story. Like they already know and they already sense that something is up, but they're not ready yet. They're still hiding. The women are gangbusters. The men, I don't know, girls, tone it down. And they're there, and Jesus shows up. He's like, guys, it's me. you have questions? Look, touch. See, I, I mean, at one point, some of you know the story that he even tells Thomas, like, hey, don't touch me yet. Easy. This moment where Jesus says, if you really understand what's about to happen next, I have a peace for you. And he says, peace be with you but he has to say it twice to them. It's almost like when we meet Jesus in the Gospel of John, he's coming to us again and again and again to remind us of how loving he is. For some of you, this is your again moment. Jesus is coming again to remind you that believing won't be enough. Following might not be enough either. Worship is what is required. Full surrender and he comes again, and he says to them, not only am I here, I'm alive, but I have some work for you. I'm about to send you the way the Father sent me. I'll be like, what, what are you talking about? This is so important because we hear the word peace used all the time. I hear peace, you know, think of our kids when they were really, really young, you know, all I want is some peace and quiet. Any parent knows that, just peace and quiet. If you're older, peace is retirement. Oh, when I'm retired, oh, I'm going to be at peace. Peace is for, i got to be centered. You know, people, they go to the spa, I just need some peace. Well, oh, I love the people, every time they're at the beach, they're taking pictures of their feet in the water at the same time. You know those people? Samir right you here, stop it, it's nonsense. Yeah, it's like, my wife, If you heard that, hon, it's for you. So, it's peace, oh, when I'm at the ocean, it's a peace. We use the word peace for everything meditation, spa, relax. The Bible, that word peace has no category. Nobody thinks of the word peace like that in the Bible. The word peace that Jesus offers his disciples as we think about the resurrection is a peace that's about to prepare them for the purposes of God. It's a peace that they only really experience as they're being sent the way the Father sent him. I meet so many people They want the peace of God without the purposes of God. Let me just tell you right now, if you want notes for this Easter, many of you will never experience the peace of God. You will have a feeling that it was peaceful. Even Jonah had that feeling when he was disobedient. But it will never be the peace that moves you out of your comfort zone until you're fed up of your purposes for your life. Remember that this Easter. And Jesus will say to me and to you, I had all of this peace that you could experience if you trusted in my purposes. But you never went where I called you to go. You never were sent the way I called you to go. Because you just wanted the feeling of peace. That's not what Jesus offers us. And the disciples are wrestling with a lot of things. I hope that you read the story. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Then remember, for John, it's like he's alive, it kind of ends, and there's more happening. There's things that are going to happen now. And the disciples do that. the next chapter, something nobody expects. They go back to their old job. So we're told. Afterward, Jesus appeared. When? Jesus appeared again to his disciples. I'm going out to fish, said Peter, told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. You ever have like a bad day at work? It's like you work so hard. These disciples have followed Jesus. They've been with him, and they realize, listen, even if he's alive and his peace is available, we're not sure what that means for us. we got to make some money. we got to go back to where we were, where we were working, because my wife is going to leave me if we don't catch some fish. So all you guys, start fishing. Peter says, I'm going to go, and they're like, we're going to go. And Jesus is about to come when? Again so loving, I'd be losing it, comes again, he says, what's going on, and it's so profound, if you don't know the story at all, where they're fishing is where they've been before, with Jesus, the lake, the region is called Tiberias, sometimes it's called the Lake of Tiberias, I have just a picture for you, so you can see it, but I don't even imagine, for them, they're there, they're fishing, worst day of their life, they're caught nothing, they're tired, it's almost like, I'm sure one of them are like, did we even forget how to fish, Like, what's going to happen? But they know that there were times they were on this lake with Jesus. This is the place where Jesus fed thousands. This is the place where Jesus taught them some of the most important things. This is also the place, if you read John chapter 6, where Jesus said such intense things that some people who were just following Jesus left because they knew it was going to be just too hard because following won't be enough when things get hard. And they're there, and they're trying, and I, I just think about having a bad day and the struggles of a bad day. Maybe you think of a bad week. This week for, for us in Quebec, maybe you're watching online, Like we felt like the power going out. When it, we know who to blame. I just think of so many people who were working overtime to just make it work, and these disciples on that first Easter, they've caught nothing. They have no idea that Jesus is about to come to them again that Jesus is about to find them where he first met them. Something so beautiful. It's almost like he brings them back to kind of where it started. And he says, let's kind of talk again. They still don't know. Peace is there. He's alive. Next step, believe, follow, worship. Are you ready? You ready? They're like, what? Maybe for you, you need to be reminded of where this story all began. You know, we do this in other things in our culture. We have moments where we go back to where we first, you know, did something special. Maybe some of you remember, like, the place where you first fell in love. Any of you ever do that? You know people like that? It's where it all began. Now it's burned down, like our marriage, whatever. (laughs) I'm just kidding, you guys. It's Easter. There's a place in Ontario, whenever we go there, I think about where I first went for a, like, it was serious with my wife for a coffee, and I'm like, it's where it first began. We knew it couldn't stay that way, but it's where it began. Maybe you remember your first job, where it first began, where you got serious. Like for me, I remember my first job where I'm like, I'm a man now. Like my dad can kick me out of the house for real. My first job, serious job, I felt like it was at Concordia. I was a TA, and I remember feeling like, yeah, the first time. Sometimes God takes us back to where things begin to remind us of how faithful he has been. Some of you know that feeling. Some of you know how important that feeling is going to be when you talk to your kids about your faith. If you forgot that feeling, you probably don't care if your kids believe in Jesus or not. If you forgot that feeling of where it all began, maybe just like me, you think of the first time you said yes to Jesus and it wasn't a good thing. It felt weird. Maybe it was a church experience where you felt pressure. I've met people, they're like, oh, the first time I went to church and I heard about God, it was weird. People getting baptized, people yelling, I was uncomfortable. It was so awkward, I didn't want any of that. Maybe that was your experience. We know that happens. But maybe today, Jesus is coming to you again. Again. And he's saying, Stop thinking about that. Let's talk about this now. What would it look like if you trust me again? What would it look like if you just don't believe in me? You get tired of just following me, but you understand I'm calling you to worship me. I'm here again. What would you say to that Jesus? Remember, he has a kind of peace you've never heard of before. I think the disciples are there, and they realize, like, I mean, I don't know about fishing, and all of a sudden, we know that Jesus is already there waiting for them. He's already there preparing for them, and and Jesus does what he's always done. They've seen Jesus do this all the time. Look how beautiful it is. He asks them a question. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? There's only one way of making a bad day worse. is somebody rubbing it in. Jesus asks them a question that he knows the answer to. He knows they have no fish, but Jesus always did this with questions. He always used questions for people to hear something that wasn't really being said. They've seen Jesus do this with other people. They, I mean, they've seen Jesus do it when people try to test Jesus. Well, who's my neighbor? Let me tell you a story. And Jesus answers with a story. It's, and now Jesus is doing this to them. They're about to taste of the love of Jesus in reverse. They go to them, and Jesus says, have you caught anything? And I don't know about you, I think of how weird it would be, they don't even know it's Jesus yet. And there's that moment, that tension, tension, What Jesus wants them to think about that this is not just about fish. This is about a question that we all have to think about. Have you found what you're looking for here? Have you gotten what you've wanted? Like, are you happy with where things are at? The question is not just about did you catch more fish? But remember, they've just gone back to their old way of life to do what they've always done. And Jesus is like, are you happy with that? Is this what you want? You just want more fish? Jesus can feel the tension. The resurrection is still hasn't connected for them. And this is what he says to them. "Just throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Can you imagine? That Jesus says to them, What you want is more fish? I'm about to give you more fish. It's the most profound moment in John's gospel that Jesus invites us to think about. That if all you want is for this to be about you feeling some success, I'm about to give you that. But you are not wired or created for success. And every time I read the story and I study it, I always have this moment in my mind where I see them catching all of this fish. And you know in the movies, there's the, the number, the dollar bill of the bank that goes, it rings when people make money. Any of you? Right? It happens at the casino, but I don't go there. But I often think it happens in those movies that where the, the drug dealers make money and they have the machine. They put the money in. Krrr. Yeah, on Easter. That's what's happening. Do you know what all this fish means? money. it means we're going home, we're telling our wives we got got fish like we've never had before. They can't even get all the fish in. And Jesus is about to say, is this all you want? All you want is to be more successful at what you've always done? When I've called you to be sent into the world and to experience the greatness of God, you're just asking for some more fish? They almost didn't even ask for it. They're like, It's all there, and now they have to decide. You have to decide. We live in a world that is wired to convince you that if only you had a bit more of what you have now, you would be so happy. You'd be so successful. People would like you more. All the success that the world has told us. You know what? Many of us have believed it, and you know how I know? Because that's what we've given to our kids, and now our kids think that that's what life is for. And Jesus on that first Easter with his disciples has a moment where he's like, no fish guys, you want fish? Just put the nets on that side. that's all you want, the story ends here. Many people I know have experienced so much success and they never realized that God created them to really be significant and to know that they matter in the purposes of God. And until they don't do that and until they don't get fed up of their own way of life, they will never taste of the peace of Jesus. Because peace comes to those who want the purposes of God alive in their lives. I I think about how wild this story is after Easter. And then, to end the story, Jesus has already made breakfast. How beautiful. The last time they ate together, it was a bad bad night. But now, that's what it says. Invite the band to come up. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I wonder if Jesus makes a good breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord Jesus. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. You know what that means when you hear that language. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to them again. Appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Each of us get a chance to think about What it is that Jesus wants to give us this Easter. We have questions. We can stay at just believing some things about God. We can try to just follow for a little while until things get bad and you get upset at somebody and you just move on. Or you will understand what they're about to understand that Jesus is really sending them the way the Father sent them. We have ruined so much of the Easter story by telling people that Easter is about where you go when you die where the Bible tells us that Easter is about what you worship and where you will go with your life when you're alive. And what Jesus will not tell them, something that we all know, is that many of those people that Jesus is having breakfast with are going to die for the sake of Jesus. As they go and they are sent, in the pain of suffering, they will have a peace that only comes because they've committed to the purposes of God. You know why Jesus doesn't tell them that they're going to die? Because it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is the death killer. Death has no, it's not even in the story that it would matter as a conversation. All that matters is that they would experience the peace as they step into the purposes of God. The way Jesus sent them, He's still sending us. But you have a choice. You could just believe for a little while, stick around, win some debates. You can even just follow, get more serious. Or this Easter, you will remember it as the day that you said, I'm ready. I must worship him. I must look into what it means to worship this one. And others need to know. And for those who are still doubting, that's okay too. Next week, we have people getting baptized. They're going to they're gonna share about their lives, about how they're, they're taking that step, so you don't want to miss next week. Whatever you're doing next Sunday, you cancel it now. We hope you're here, hearing about what it looks like to go back to the beginning when you said yes to worshiping Jesus. I'm going to have you stand and we're going to sing this song as a chance for you to reflect. (laughs) If you could be a fly on the wall at that breakfast, what do you think you'd hear them talk about? What do you think Jesus would be telling them? How many of them are crying? A bunch of grown men crying at the camp thing. It's pretty sketch. Jesus is like, eat each. A piece is coming. I'm about to send you. Remember, this changes everything. And wait. Wait till I send you to those who killed me. And they see the love of God in your eyes. Wait. Let's sing. is that each of you today would get more serious about Jesus than you ever have in your life. That you would realize that those who start to worship Jesus as Lord start to gather on the first day of the week, which will become Sunday. That's why every Sunday is Easter for us. Because the only way you get through the brokenness of this world, the only way you don't believe in the lie that success will make you happy if you just had more is that you move from believing, to following, to worshiping. Worship protects you from the nonsense. Worship keeps your eyes on the purposes of God, not just your own. And there, the peace of God is found. Maybe for you this morning, maybe you're online, and this is your again moment. Jesus has come again. It's clear again how much he loves you. That he has the strength that you need to leave here open to being transformed. Many people in your family are depending on it. Because things are maybe not as good as you thought they were. As I was preparing and praying, I came across this story of a man, his name is Sidney Holmes. His life is falling apart. He was sentenced to like 400 years in prison for robbery and different crimes and as technology improved some people were making a claim for his case to say maybe he didn't do anything even though he kept saying he didn't do anything. He spent 34 years in prison for something that finally we realized he never did. Can you imagine? Think about the injustice, the anger, all the things you could say about the system which are probably true by the way. that reporters will find him after he's let out. And there's a profound moment where they ask him, what are you going to do next? And I know what I would do next. I would go to all the people who put me in jail, I'm going to visit them at night. That's what I would do. In my human sense, I would do that. This is what he says when they ask him. With the Christian faith I have, I can't have hate. You just have to keep moving. can you imagine that Jesus is still doing this to people today, that he's still finding people that have every right to be vengeful and angry and upset and pretend they believe, pretend this is real. And he's saying, "You worship me and look at the strength I have, the peace and the power and the healing that the world will not comprehend when you make my purposes your purposes. This is your, again, chance. Say yes to Jesus. He loves you and will walk with you no matter what you're going through. Let's pray before we go. Father, thank you for sending your one and only Son. Oh, how you love us. Today we have come to celebrate that Jesus, your son, is the death killer. He has conquered the grave for us to be able to say yes to your purposes. So that your peace and your power can be made known in this broken world. So that those who expect revenge would feel joy and mercy and restoration and hope death, where is your sting now? Jesus, because you are alive, we have committed with everything that we have to worship you. We will continue to call people to worship you. Today, I pray for those who are struggling with questions and doubts, who maybe need help to move from just believing or even just following that you would help us, to encourage them to say yes you fully as we leave here may you help us to understand that you are sending us the way you sent your earliest followers so that others would understand your love and power jesus we go in the power of the resurrection today and it's in your name that we pray and everyone said amen hey we love you all god bless if you're visiting hey so grateful that you're here grab a connect card If you're online, please send us a note if we can help in any way. Happy Easter, everyone. See you soon.